I'm Jeff. Great to be with you this morning. I do enjoy watching Jaira make a mistake. <laughs> it couldn't happen to a nicer guy. So I apologise to uh, the young children, anyone else who are a little bit traumatised by his mistake, but I enjoyed watching him make a mistake. It was great. Um, the title of the message today is called Have Compassion. And so I have compassion on Jaira's mistake. Uh, God has compassion on us, and we're going to explore how God wants each of us to have compassion on other people. And we see this um, kind of captured, portrayed Jesus' attitude um, in Philippians chapter 2. The Apostle Paul wrote this letter to the church in Philippi, and he kind of captured this idea that we've been talking about in this whole series, that faith shouldn't just live in our head and in our heart, but it should go somewhere. And Jesus did it like this. Paul writes that, that we, all of us, should, should not look out only for our own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And then Paul goes on to this beautiful hymn or poem to describe not just the attitude Jesus had, but what he did about that in setting aside the the things that were owed him, the things that belonged to him, setting aside his divine privileges to come and serve with humility and with compassion. And we all know, in a human sense, with each other, when we've received that kind of attitude, when someone is not just caring about themselves, but is also caring about us, we can usually pick that up. I mean, kids can often instinctively tell whether they have their parents' full attention or not. You can usually tell when you're in school whether a teacher really cares about you, actually has compassion on you, or if they don't care at all. Now, sure, some people can fake it. Sometimes we can fake compassion. But you can usually tell when you've received that kind of attitude that the other person doesn't just care about themselves, but they care about you and they have the same kind of attitude that Jesus showed for us. But, but today, today's not just about what we receive. It's not just about the compassion we receive from God. We're really going to hone in on how do we have something, how do we have compassion to give to others? Because sometimes there's a blockage. You know, we're talking about putting our faith into action. Sometimes there's a blockage between here and here. Sometimes our faith just lives inside of us. It's a very personal thing. It's a very intimate thing, but it doesn't ever have any expression outside. Sometimes there's a blockage. Sometimes we'll see someone else who needs compassion, but we don't have compassion for them. We don't think it, we don't feel it, we don't do it. So how can we remove those blockages and put our faith into action and have the same attitude that Jesus had? To not just think about ourselves, but have an interest in others too and to humbly serve with compassion. So our example of Jesus doesn't just come from what Paul wrote. It obviously comes from his own life. And so we've got two stories this morning about when Jesus had compassion on people. And the first is from Matthew chapter 9. In verse 35, we read that Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, the meeting places, and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness. When he saw the crowds... He had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Jesus had compassion on them. 
in the original language, the original word, means that Jesus was moved, moved in his inward parts with compassion. It wasn't just an intellectual thought. It wasn't just a feeling. Jesus was, was moved on the inside with compassion for these crowds. Now, I can remember one Sunday morning years ago was, was uh, a couple hours or an hour or so before the service. The music team was getting ready, and I was just outside through those doors in the car park with one of the pastoral leaders, and we'd met that morning just to pray, pray for the service, pray for the church. Um, and as an aside, these days, every Thursday morning, the pastoral leaders meet and pray for you. So the pastoral leaders, our elders, our governance team, every Thursday morning they meet and pray for specific things that we know about, but otherwise just in general for you, for our church, for the wider community. And so every Thursday morning our pastoral leaders are praying for you. But this time, years ago it was a Sunday, it was just me and and one of the others, and on that day we particularly wanted to pray for someone that we knew whose marriage was falling apart. And so we prayed for her and we prayed for him. And... Something happened as I began to pray for the kids in that family. I'd prayed for them before and I have prayed for them since. But on that day, as I began to pray for them, it was like all of my organs constricted. It was like something happened in my intestines or my kidneys or my liver or my heart or my stomach or maybe all of my organs. Maybe they all just swapped places for a moment, all tightened. I was moved inwardly with this emotion, with this feeling, with compassion for the children caught up in this family breakdown. And and I found it really hard to pray. That's the kind of movement that we read when it says that Jesus was moved with compassion because the people that he saw were confused and helpless like a flock of sheep that couldn't find their shepherd. Now, some of us are born with our emotions closer to the surface. You know, some of you will watch a movie as people pretend to act out a made-up story on a screen and you'll see something that tugs at your heartstrings and, and burst into tears. Some of you are wired that way. Others of you can stand with your best friend as they receive devastating news and nothing happens on the inside for you at all. That's okay. God has made each of us differently. Now, there are sometimes some reasons why we might be overly um, uh, emotional or or underly emotional, and some reflection and some prayer and some counseling can help us figure out that so we can connect well with each other. But God has made each of us differently. And somewhere in that spectrum of the extremes would sit each of us, depending on the day, depending how much sleep we've had and whether there's something in our eye or not, we might have more movement of emotion than others. But if you are a mover, if you're the kind of person who wears your heart on your sleeve, that's a good thing because your body is telling you that you might need to have compassion in this situation. When you see something in front of you or or you hear something from the person in front of you and there's a movement of emotion on the inside, that is a sign to pay attention to what your body is trying to tell you. It can be a prompt to take an interest in the other person, not just in what's happening for you. Your body can make you sensitive to other people and lead you to then sitting in solidarity with them 
or speaking up for them or putting your faith into action for them in some other way. But it's really important to remember that our emotions don't always tell us the truth. The, the emotion, the movement itself is not pure compassion. It doesn't mean you have compassion just because you feel things. Sometimes you might feel empathy because you can imagine what life is like for the other person. Sometimes the movement within you is guilt because you know you've actually done something to contribute to that, how that person is feeling and what they're going through. Sometimes you have a feeling of recognition because you actually identify with what they're going through and you've been in a very similar situation and you're feeling your own pain because of that. Sometimes the strong feelings you feel can be helplessness. To go, something bad is happening, I don't know what to do, and, and, and it's just out of control. And, and sometimes it's just selfishness. Sometimes you're witnessing what the other person is feeling and displaying in their strong emotions, and it's making you freak out. But it's not because you care, it's because you're selfish, and you don't want to have to deal with their strong emotions. So it's really important to remember, emotion itself doesn't lead to having compassion. But it can be a helpful Jesus felt things deeply, but he also knew what his emotions were telling him. He knew that he was moved with compassion on that day because of the situation the people were in in front of him. And I, I really struggle myself to figure this out. You know, when, when I feel something for another person, I really struggle to figure out what is my part to do. You know, is there something that I should do for this person in front of me? How could I have compassion on them? Or, or maybe is this their thing to own? And it's okay for me just to listen and, and not do anything. And, and I really don't have an answer for that. It's really by trial and error in each situation. And sometimes I'm like, oops, I, I really didn't display or give or have any compassion in that situation. Or or actually, whoops, I entered in way too much in, in a way that was unhelpful for, for anyone. And I was carrying, trying to carry all their stuff. Or, or, or whoops, there was all these, all these other people already helping them. They didn't need me to come in and also try and help. Or, or whoops, they actually didn't have anyone else. And I could have played a small part to help. I really struggle to figure out when there's some kind of movement or some kind of observation, what is my part to help. But if you are a mover, if you're the kind of person who feels a movement of emotion within you, you do have a head start on the rest of us because your body is telling you, hey, pay attention to this person, pay attention to this situation. It, it doesn't tell you exactly why. It doesn't tell you exactly how you should have compassion, but it's a first trigger, a first reminder to pay some attention. And then you can start to figure out, okay, when can my compassion help them? And when am I just jumping in to try and rescue someone? Because only Jesus can really rescue people, but each of us can help. And we can try and figure out with God's help, with the wisdom of people around us, okay, what, what can I do? What is my part to play? How can I use that prompt, that emotion, that, the rising up of tears or feeling? How can I use that to pay attention Add this layer of discernment and figure out and then have compassion in some practical way for them. 
a few weeks ago, I was with a friend from another part of the country, and, and we were just hanging out, and, and he was telling me, um, as, as part of our conversation, about some really difficult things that were happening in his life, like at that moment, just really recently, a friend had betrayed him. And the full story was still coming out. He didn't know all the details or exactly what had happened or, or what it would mean, but he was just really confused and really hurt and really angry. And I was really tired and wanted to end the conversation so that I could go to bed. But I didn't want to just take an interest in myself. I wanted to take an interest in him too. I wanted to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. And so what I chose to do in that situation, how I chose to have compassion, was to give my friend more time than I selfishly wanted to give him. I gave him more energy than I selfishly wanted to give But that's how I chose to have compassion. Now, he lives in another part of the country. We don't see each other or even talk that often, but connect really well when we do catch up. And so I know that there are other people in his life who live closer and are closer that can provide much more, much better compassion than I could. But I had to add that layer of discernment as I listened to him to figure out how can I have compassion on him. And the next day, saw each other again, and and he didn't raise it, and it was a little bit awkward for for me to raise it because it was so fresh. But I wanted to have the opportunity to show a bit more compassion. So pushed through the awkwardness, asked again about the situation, listened again, and offered to pray for him. I could tell you so many stories of times that I got it wrong. Times I under-showed compassion or over-showed compassion. And I'll share just one more story later of a time that I think maybe I got it close to right. But, but here's the, the thing. Here's the bigger issue. The bigger issue in showing compassion is what do I do when I don't feel anything? If I'm not a mover, if I'm rarely, if ever, moved with compassion, how do I know when and how to have compassion on others? Because not all of us wear our heart on our sleeve. I actually am not very often moved with emotion. And there are probably some reasons for that, like I said, and and for each of us, we could explore that and try and figure out and understand how we can better connect with each other. But if you're the kind of person who's not easily moved, you need something else to help you know when and how to have compassion. And in this passage, Jesus provides something else for us. It's not all about feeling. So let's go back a verse and then we'll move on a couple. So when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. So then he said to his disciples who were with him, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who's in charge of the harvest and ask him to send more workers into his fields. Jesus doesn't want to be the only one who has compassion. He wants you, someone who has the same attitude he has or wants to have the same attitude he has, he wants you to also have compassion on others. And so he says, pray and ask God to send more workers into his fields because God cares more about the people around you than you even do. So it's a really important prayer for us to pray that God would send people to have compassion. But, but what that means is you don't have to feel something to have compassion. Sometimes having compassion is an act of obedience to God. 
Sometimes having compassion on another person is because the Holy Spirit prompts you to, even if you don't want to. Now, for those of you who were here last week or, or watching online, you heard the story I told about my friend Paul, who last Monday night, or two, two weeks ago, was in line at Woolies late at night and he'd got his groceries and he was just keen to get home and he saw these people in front of him that looked like they were struggling and not treating each other well and he sensed the Spirit say to him, offer to pay for their groceries. And he said, no, I don't want to pay for their groceries. I want to go home. But what he was really wanting to do, even before that moment, was listen to the Spirit. And what the Spirit was trying to tell him was, have compassion on these people. And so, even though he didn't want to, even though he felt absolutely no goodwill, no upswelling of happier or or empathetic emotions at all, the Spirit prompted him, out of obedience, to have compassion. So you and I need to not only pray that God would send more workers into his fields but that God would send me into his field and then look and listen for the times that he does. Look and listen for the prompting of the spirit even when I feel nothing, even if, even if I felt judgment, even if I was angry, even if I felt like they didn't deserve it. If God prompts me, I need to be ready, listening, looking for his leading to not just pray that God would send other people to have compassion, but pray that God would send me to have compassion. So to remove the blockage between our faith going into action, we can use our feelings as a prompt. We can, we should use the leading of the spirit as a prompt, but we can also just simply use the the brain and the mind and the wisdom that God has given us to see someone and figure out, because it's often not that hard to, to decide and figure out, oh, I think maybe they could use some compassion in this situation. And like I said before, often I'll see someone feel nothing, have no sense of leading from God, but what's happening on the inside is more judgmental. They got themselves into this situation. This is their fault, so they need to get themselves out of it. This has nothing to do with me. There's nothing I can do here. So I'm going to keep all of my faith and all of my compassion within myself rather than be willing to share it and to give it to someone else. But that's not what the Apostle Paul wrote about at all. And that's not what Jesus demonstrated at all. Instead, it's about considering the interests of others, not just my own interests. So, so the old example of putting myself in someone else's shoes has been really helpful for me to learn with my mind how to have compassion, to imagine myself in their situation and not, not me right now in this moment, just transported and there I am in their messy situation but to imagine myself as them and and use my mind, use my imagination to think, how might I, if I was them, how might I have ended up in this situation? What, What could have happened to me that would lead me to being where they are right now? Or what combination of things, what what complex, perfect storm of things could have happened in my life that mean there I am in need of compassion? And, and if I'm them sitting there in that moment, how does God feel about me? 
And how might God want to show compassion to me through other people? So don't let a lack of feeling compassion lead to judgmentalism. And don't let a lack of direct leading from the Holy Spirit. He doesn't need to tell you how to do every single thing. Don't let that lead to judgmentalism. But instead, you can use your own mind. You can use your own imagination. You can use your ears to listen to the stories of other people and understand what life is like for them. And that helps you not just think about yourself, but think about others too and have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So one more story from you, uh, for you from Jesus. But first, I want to get you to think about something. It's not a question for you to answer out loud. I just want you to think for yourself. When was the last time having compassion cost you? When was the last time you had compassion on someone and it cost you? In Mark chapter 1, in verse 40, a man with leprosy came and knelt in front of Jesus and begged to be healed. If you're willing, you can heal me and make me clean, he said. Now, leprosy and a whole bunch of skin diseases had a big impact on people's lives in Jesus' day. They had to remove themselves, self-isolate or forced to be isolate from the community and not just in a room for seven or five days or 14 days or whatever. This was until their skin was clear. They had to not just leave the room or the home, they had to leave the whole society, live outside the village or outside the city while they had evidence of this skin disease like leprosy. This was like extreme social distancing. And this man, out of desperation, even though he's supposed to be away, even though he's supposed to walk around telling people, don't come near me, he comes near to Jesus and begs to be healed. And again, it says the exact same word and concept, moved with compassion. In his inward parts, Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said, be healed. Jesus put his faith into action and miraculously healed the person. But he didn't need to touch him. Jesus healed other people at a distance. Jesus healed people from kilometers away just by saying words. But Jesus chose to reach out, have compassion, and risk getting, co- <coughs> risk getting leprosy by touching the man in front of him. Instantly, the leprosy disappeared and the man was healed. And then Jesus sent him on his way with a stern warning. This is weird. Stern warning. Don't tell anyone about this. Instead, go to the priest and let him examine you. Take along the offering required in the law of Moses for those who've been healed of leprosy. And this will be a public testimony that you have been cleansed. So what's going on here? The priest is the person in their society who could declare you clean. It was the priest's job. They were the ones who would have a look at you, inspect your skin and say, yes, you're clean. You give this offering and then you're allowed back into society. And so that was the normal way. That was how he could be declared a cleared case and come back into the community. But why did Jesus tell the man to stay quiet on his way to the priest? Well, we're about to find out. But the man didn't listen to Jesus' stern warning. He went and spread the word, proclaiming to everyone what had happened. And as a result, large crowds soon surrounded Jesus and he couldn't publicly enter a town anywhere. He had to stay out in the secluded places, but people from everywhere kept coming to him. Jesus' compassion cost him. Now, now, 
one way of reading this is that it was just simply the numbers that meant because Jesus had such a large following, he couldn't enter the town because there would be too many people around. But, but it doesn't really line up with other situations where Jesus was always in towns and cities and always with crowds of people. At, at one time, someone had to dig through a roof to get to him because the, he, the place was packed. But what's also quite possible if you read this is that Jesus was a close contact because he touched a man with leprosy which meant that he was then not allowed to enter towns or villages, but had to stay out in secluded places. And that didn't stop people from coming to him. The crowd still came and gathered around him, but it stopped Jesus from being freely able to move around. It stopped Jesus from having a roof over his head. It stopped Jesus from having a comfortable bed to sleep in. So let me ask you again. When was the last time having compassion cost you? This last week, Laura and I have been planning to um, have compassion on someone. Planning's as good as doing it, right? No, we just, we just haven't actually worked it out yet. But it's been this series that has prompted us to think about that. There's someone that we know who's dealing with a whole bunch of different things going on in their life medically, but their finances are a big strain on them because of the medical stuff in their life. And so we see that they're under pressure and they need compassion. There's a little bit of feeling, but but not very much, but we can see it, we can imagine it, we get it. And there's a, a prompting from the Spirit, not directly. Neither of us sense God say to us, hey, you need to do this. But, but being part of this series, the last four weeks for our church, has been the thing that prompted us to think about having compassion. So then we add a layer of discernment. Okay, we think we should do this, we want to do this, but, but how? How is the best way to have compassion? We think we should give them some money. But, but, but then how do you do that? Money makes people feel weird. We don't want them to feel weird. So do we tell them it's us and we give them the money? Do we do it anonymously and we somehow get it to them so that they don't know who it came from? But then they lose the opportunity to be thankful and, and to join the dots and, and whatever. And so we, we've added that layer of discernment to try and figure out not just blindly acting, but what's the best way, God, for us to show compassion. And this is the kind of compassion that will cost us. We would prefer, selfishly, to keep the money for ourselves. And, uh, and if we were going to give it, it would be kind of nice to get some recognition for it. But, but trying to think of other people, not just ourselves, trying to have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had to think of others and to humbly serve and set aside our privileges, we'll do that for someone that none of you know in a way that they won't know that it came from us, but in a way that will cost us. And and I don't tell you that story at all to make myself look good because I know for a fact that many of the faces in this room, all the faces that I know, you've done the exact same kind of thing for other people. I'm just using it as an example because most of the time, I don't have compassion. Most of the time, I don't feel anything. I don't have direct leading from God. And I don't even think about how the other person might be feeling or or what they're going through. I don't have compassion. I don't put my faith into action. But I want to. And I want to do that more. I want to have the same attitude that Jesus had when he came. I want to think about others and not just myself. And I want to put my faith into action in a way and in ways that cost me. And I need all the help I can get. Which is why we've been talking about this 
over the last four weeks. So this is the end of this series, putting your faith into action. So let's finish today, finish this message in prayer, asking God for the help that we all need, asking him if there's anyone in particular that he wants to lead us directly to have compassion for. Ask him to give us the courage to let compassion cost us. And then we'll sing together before we finish up. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your selfless example. That with so much humility, you set aside your divine privileges. And your compassion cost you in an incredible way. But also in, in really real ways that we can understand, like we read about. So we thank you for your example that inspires us. We thank you for your teaching that challenges us. And we thank you for the way that you have made us to feel and be moved with compassion for others and to be able to think and understand and imagine why others need compassion. And we ask that you would use all those tools in our life to help us move past resistance and move past judgment to put our faith into action for others. In your name.